And I had a dream that I actually talked to the actor who played Jack Bauer and told him about the Jack Bauer power dump. But I forgot that it happened until now. And that dream was several days ago. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that goes into your home, says, what do you got? And then steals your roof. I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, have I stolen your roof? No. And I rent, so it's not even my roof. Ah, I'm stealing the man's roof. I think that that might, this might be the only time this entire season that Sandra and Johnny Fairplay will agree on something. What makes you say that, Jared? Uh, both the next time on and who they are as people. Yeah, that, that's fair. I get that. <laughs> How's it going? How have you been? Yeah, we didn't... As is tradition in the first episode of a new season, we didn't really talk about how we were or how life yeah. was because we got a lot to talk about with a new guest and the episode was an hour and 45 minutes long. So goddamn long. <laughs> For those of you that stuck around listening to the whole thing, thank you. We like to talk. Yeah. Well, you and Harper talked for most of it. I was just there facilitating. That's true. That is how a lot of the first episodes of a season go. Especially because you don't want to give your opinions. Yeah. Because it might give stuff away. I rein in the sheep. You run wild. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm working on starting to produce a like staged reading for the fall with a friend of mine, because uh, if you won't hire me, then I'll make my own with blackjack and hookers. Ah, the, um... The bender approach. Well, sure. I was gonna go with the Lin-Manuel Miranda method. Well, I'm not gonna do it as well as him. <laughs> you don't know that yet. No, I can... I can surmise. <laughs> we can We can safely assume. We can safely assume. What about you, Stephen? I'm alright. I've been very tired. Today, I woke up earlier than I wanted to, so then I'm just like, alright, I guess I'll go to the gym. Oh! And I did. How early for you is earlier than you wanted to? I mean, I had planned on waking up at 7, which is my normal routine when I'm not going to the gym. I woke up at like 5.45. Fuck that. And I laid there until about 6, and then I went to the gym. Somebody called me at like 5.40 this morning. It was not me, I can I, tell you that much. Well, I know, it was a number that wasn't my phone, and your number is in my phone. Ah. It's been two days in a row, like before 7am they've called me. I keep not calling them back. They don't leave a voicemail. Then I guess we're not getting a call. The call's coming from inside my phone. Is that something? The the call coming from inside the house is scream, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to... Yeah, we'll workshop it. We'll, <laughs> we'll workshop it. We'll, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Speaking of things we'll fix in post, emails. If you want to email us, feel free to do so. Send us emails, survivortbt at gmail.com. You can message us on Reddit, u slash survivortbt, or on the dying platform that is Twitter, <laughs> at survivortbt. When are we making a thread, Stephen? I mean, I can. I can jump over, but... Oh, I can just give you the Instagram login. Eventually, I'll make memes. We're still back on Africa, baby. That's... That seems like a you problem there. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a few emails. Some are 
I mean, they're all holdovers from last season, except for one. We got one sneaking in today. So I will just go down the line. Why not? From Josh, two things we'd like to say from, I don't remember which episode this is. Reminder, we've been all over the place, so these emails are a little bit old. But the idea that modern Survivor game respects game is a bit of a myth. While there is some truth to it, the vast majority of Survivor conflicts are cut from the show as they attract unwanted controversy. The Mm. contestants are also heavily censored on what they can say after the show nowadays, after a controversy in 42, which I advise you to look up if you hadn't heard of it already. I do, because 42 is the one season I have seen all the way through. That was the one that was letting me go, ooh, wait, Survivor? Oh, David versus Goliath, and then 42 was playing when I saw David versus Goliath? Sure. I know exactly what controversy you're talking about, and that is fucked that they now try to muzzle the contestants afterwards because of that. I mean, I get it. I don't. (laughs) I get it. I I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah. From a producer standpoint. NDAs, baby. NDAs are awful. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those things that was made... To be a good tool and now is just an abusive tactic most of the time <laughs> uh, also being a fan doesn't mean that much about your attitude toward the game jenna and rob were definitely about equal in the fandom level heading into the show but handled the show differently the reason why i'd say this season is so popular is that it's the first one where the super fans make it as far as opposed to thailand or africa where the people who actually watch the show are cut super early yeah that's fair it's like Amazon, not what we're currently watching, Pearl Island. And also from Josh, I do feel the edit is a bit unfair to Heidi. She absolutely murders anyone else in a jury vote, and Rob has insisted that he was always afraid of her. Wow, okay. Okay, yeah. Heidi marries MLB baseball player Cole Hamels soon after this and is super rich. Good for her. (laughs) She turns down a spot in All-Stars in part because of this. I mean, you know, she lost, but she won. She she won the real game. A million dollars for posing in Playboy and then marrying a super rich baseball star? Yeah, if that's if that's the avenue you want to take, good for you. Survivor opened some doors that made you more than a million dollars. And I figured this might be interesting stat to keep track of for future season because the number of recruits is about to skyrocket. How many people actually applied to be on Survivor? Borneo, 15 out of 16. Rudy was Mark Burnett's friend. <laughs> hilarious <laughs> so did they just not i'm sure they had more than 15 people that applied. oh yes absolutely that's fucking hilarious it's the we're filling in these spots of recruiting we're i'm assuming for archetypes sure borneo 15 to 16 australia that's, i'm so sorry i'm gonna cut you off one more time Rude. that now my new headcanon is that mark burnett made this show entirely because he wanted rudy on tv He's like, what can I do to get Rudy on TV? <laughs> what can I do to get Rudy on TV twice? Well, yeah, twice. You're right. <laughs> Australia, 16 out of 16. Africa, 14 out of 16. Silas was, was recruited. Clarence applied for Big Brother. Jesus, okay. That makes sense. That's that's cruel. Like, okay, the Amazing Race thing, like, okay, you're going on a physical-based show. Big Brother has challenges, yeah. but, like, you're living in a house. Well, they're, they're not making these people go and play Survivor. They're saying, hey, we don't want you for a big brother, but we could absolutely, we have a spot that would be perfect for you on Survivor. Yes, I know they're not holding them at gunpoint, but they're basically <laughs> saying, we're not putting you in that show you applied for. You're going to Africa instead. Like, now you're not going to live in this bougie house. 
Africa for you. Also, the fact that Silas was recruited is... Unfortunate. They knew what they were getting? With a question mark? No. No. All right. Marquesas, 16 out of 16. Thailand, 14 out of 16. Brian and Ken were recruited. Okay. What does recruited mean? I'm assuming they were, like, headhunted. Or, like, someone knew them and they're like, this person is perfect for the show. Oh, they might have been, like, going around, like, auditions at CBS for, like, shows or things like that. And they were like, wait, this guy actually would fit your, your reality show really well. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with those two. Brian and Ken. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon, 13 out of 16. Joanna was recruited. Heidi applied for Amazing Race. And Rob applied for Big Brother. Again. <laughs> and Rob would make probably a good Big Brother player as well. Yeah, he would. Yeah. A couple emails we'll do. A couple from Carl. Carl. Carl, episode 12 email. Damn, I can't believe that we're almost at the end of the season. And by that time you read this email, we'll all be on season 23. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the word pop, says Carl. I understand. I, I, I don't agree, but I, I do understand <laughs> why it hits the ear so hard. Pop. Soda pop. You wanna, Sue? <laughs> you want a Coke? No, can, can, can a Coke? Can a Coke, eh? Oh, not A. We're not Canadian. Uh, well, you might as well be. Don't bring us down here, Jared. <laughs> anyway. Notes. Yeah, I personally would prefer like three super fans max in a season, which is what they did for a long time. You can find people who don't know the game inside and out who are still very good players. Some winners in the future will be recruits. Personal preference. Jenna mentions 5150 a lot in her DVD commentary on Amazon, so I imagine it was something Dina was referencing a lot and it became an inside joke. Ah. In this hypothetical Rob slash Jenna final two, if Jenna says Rob was a snake, Rob could also point out how Jenna voted out Shauna and that it was a betrayal of her own. Yeah. Yeah. And Dina. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody was, like, out clean in that one. No. Except for Matthew. Even Matthew was trying to, like, play the game at the end. Yeah. He's just very bad at it. <laughs> the only person who maybe would have come out scot-free was the, uh... Oh, not Roger. What's his name? The Butch. 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 Butch would have been the only one where you're like... He's a clean, perfect guy. And then the person goes, down the he camp. burned down the camp. Yeah. But he was really nice about it. <laughs> no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Okay, I take it back. Everyone, everyone have their problems. I've heard arguments from several sources that Christy wasn't as poorly treated as she claims, that Jenna slash Heidi slash everyone else would try to include her more than what was shown. Of course. And I've... Other contestants from the season said Christy was awesome and didn't have this apparent persecution complex that some sense. So. Characters on a show. Yeah, characters on a show. I do think it was the struggle of fitting in was the first couple episodes. Yeah. Which would encompass like three days. How long does it take you to like actually work into a friend group? More than three days. Yep. And and for them to understand, I mean, Chrissy's had to deal with this conversation, 
so many times. This might be <laughs> the first time Jen and Heidi had to, but Christy's exhausted, rightfully so, yeah. of doing this kind of thing, especially in a game that's about social politics and probably has people that looked and sounded and acted like Jenna in her life previously that treated her badly and maybe so that was projected onto them as well to make it worse and make that gap harder to bridge. Yeah. Goes on to say, I don't know where the truth lies, of course, but I will say that Christy is a little more complicated to edit than your average contestant. Yeah. And I agree. It does give you editing options, though. Like, if you needed a storyline, Christy gave you a great storyline one way or the other. That's true. And, I don't know. I, I love Christy. I... I think she did about as well as she was going to do. Yes. And that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Yeah. Ten minutes seems like a super short family dinner. you got to eat and talk really fast. I don't remember what that conversation was. It's uh, when all of them had... When Matt could give up his reward, so they all had time with their families in literally ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Okay. And Rob was never really a villain to the 2003 audience Except for this episode when he votes off fan favorite Christy. Mm. The audience doesn't flip on him completely, but they were definitely pissed. Interesting. Yeah. Good stuff there. And let's do one from Tyler. We'll do two more emails. Two more emails. Tyler, you guys mentioned this earlier in the season, but Heidi and Jenna both pose for Playboy. And since Jared will know by the time you read this, Jenna got a second million dollars from it. Yep. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Wow. Heidi appeared on the 2004 and 2005 edition of I Love the 90s. Do you remember those shows? Something like VH1 or something. Yes, they were VH1 shows where they just like recapped decades in pop culture. So, weirdly enough, for a show that's based on nostalgia, I hate nostalgia. For nostalgia's sake. Okay. So I did not enjoy those. Now, our podcast, I feel like it's much more going through, like, look how it was, for me at least, because I don't have the nostalgia, is look how it was, ooh, this is really interesting, this is something that's left behind, watching it grow organically, but, like, I have a hard time with things There's like, look at the thing. You like the thing, <laughs> you like clap thing? for the thing. I'll clap for the thing. I, no, yeah. I, I did watch the I Love the 90s, and I think they even had, like, an I Love the 2000s, I Love the... I have, I have bad news for you, Stephen. What? They've probably also done an I Love the 2010s by now. Have they? I feel like they stopped doing those. Maybe. I'm sure someone's done something like that. Anyway, I remember watching them because, like, it started back before the 90s. It did I Love the 80s or something like that. Right. And, like, it was a, it was a cool pop culture recap for someone who wasn't alive sure. at the time. And then got into, slowly got into stuff where I'm like, oh, I know that. Oh, okay. I understand where we're at. I'm caught up in pop culture of post-World War II era. The world. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, Tyler also goes on to say that Heidi Mary's Philadelphia Phillies pitcher Cole Hamels on New Year's Eve in 2006 has three biological children and adopted a girl from Ethiopia. And in December of 2017, they donated their $2.75 million mansion to charity. What does charity do with a $2.57 million mansion? It seems like the cash would be better. Sweet charity. Well, you you sell the home. You don't... The charity doesn't keep the home. Unless you're trying to make, like, an orphanage. You're giving them work at that point. Uh, well, I don't know. You're not going to tell someone, no. Is I this don't. rich people's goodwill? I are just like, ah, take my house. I don't want your $9.75 million mansion. We're a charity. Well, of course not. But you can make it easier, obviously. <laughs> that is fair. 
Regarding the immunity challenge, they actually did a challenge like this in Borneo where it was like a webbed roped course and actually came down to Kelly and Colleen with Colleen willing, with Colleen winning. My, I can't talk today. It's bad. That's bad news for us. Oh, I know, right? So here we go. Also, future editions of this challenge will also have a puzzle at the end to serve as an equalizer. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That helps. Good stuff. And then we just have a couple more emails that I'm going to leave. But I want to jump into Carl's first Pearl Islands episode Mm -hmm. email. See, there's a method to my madness here. This premiere is so good that half of these notes will probably just be me raving about the show. So here we go. I know Sandra gave Drake an unfair advantage, but I don't care. I really like the village scene and I wish Survivor had done something like it again. Me too, and also I fully understand why he didn't. Because (laughs) it just shows in this episode so bad. America pretty much immediately fell in love with Rupert after he stole the shoes. He's great! Which is wild to me, because, like, we don't really villainize him for it. But that was a villain move. So... I'm going to talk about a lot about Rupert this episode. Okay. And probably this season until he goes home, because sure. I'm in love with Rupert. There's a reason he's the one person I remember from watching Survivor as a kid. He has so much emotional intelligence, and I don't think anyone around him realizes it. Like, he not, he doesn't just steal the shoes. Because, like, okay, if Johnny Fairplay stole the shoes, we'd be like, what a fucking scumbag. But he also knows how to sell it. He makes it so it's relatable. Mm. And he's like, yeah... Uh, Like, these people made a mistake. I'm playing a game where the theme is on pirates, and I have to go buy the stuff that I need. I'm going to sell their shoes. I'm going to make them pay for it. And he makes that relatable to us, whereas, like, someone like Johnny Fairplay, or maybe even Rob from last season, would be much more like, and these fucking idiots over here, and I made them look (laughs) so dumb. Like, he's not bragging about it. He's just like, oh, I'm going to do what I got to do. Oh, fuck them. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he always he has a level of empathy for everyone around him at all times that's fair all right cool i mostly agreed with everyone's takes on the cast in this episode except for uh tiana which did you do we come to a consensus on how to say this i think it's tiana tiana that's what i my brain says too being a professional interpreter it really bothers me when someone thinks that yelling louder and slower <laughs> will help a non-english speaker understand them better yeah that's it doesn't work that way yeah Oh, I agree. I also think that she wasn't prepared for this. And (laughs) while that's a stupid and naive thing to do, I see why that could be someone's reaction. Especially when she already loves to yell. Yeah. I mean, she was stressed out and thought she was being ripped off, and maybe she was, although may have just gotten confused with the language barrier. But still, it's an incredibly obnoxious, ugly American behavior, and it rubbed me the wrong way for sure. Plus, the store owner was also a person of color, so I don't see how race would play into it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless Survivor selectively edited different conflicts out. They would never. (laughs) And left the one to make that edit. Jared. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Rupert quotes all of them. This section may be notes in every episode going forward. A saltwater catfish? I didn't know they made such an animal. I stole for the Drake. John, he reminds me of my kids at home, always popping off about stupid stuff. Smoking something, drinking something, getting some honey. And and this is kind of what I mean when I said that I think Rupert has a lot of emotional intelligence. He doesn't look at Johnny Fairplay and go, God, I fucking hate this kid. He looks at him and goes, this guy seems troubled. 
mm. and reminds me of the kids back home I work with to try to help them to get their lives together. Yeah. It's like, Rupert. Also want to point out Rupert's bio for the preseason. He specifies that his favorite drink is 2% cow's milk, which I love that he adds the word cow. <laughs> I guess as a hippie, I can kind of see it that he has to specify. Way ahead of his time. Yeah. That now you're like, okay, I, I get it. But at the time, I don't know. Were they, I don't they remember make the, other milks in 2%? I don't know, because you don't... Like, almond the, milk is just milk. You don't do percentages. As far as I know, they, they don't have to, like, take out part of the milk fat because there isn't milk fat because it's not real milk. Yeah, maybe, like, goat's milk. Is like two percent. That that would make sense to me. All right, I'm gonna go with that. What a weird quirky guy. What a yeah, I love it. Also had some some light spoilery stuff, which is really funny. Funny to me, not you don't get to see it. Jared's art design takes were so off in this episode. The <laughs> idol is great. What are you expecting? A legitimate axe from the 1600s straight out of a it, museum. It looks like it's made of plastic. I don't know. <laughs> Shameful takes. Thumbs down. Zero stars. That's fair. Thank you. Somebody's with me. Uh, for the immunity challenge, a member from each tribe walked the course with Jeff to scope it out. For Drake, that was John, who came back and told them that the final stretch on the beach was short, with the idea that they come back, come sprinting out of there thinking they were at the finish line. You can see that they were running pretty fast when they got onto the beach there. I don't know if it was because of what John said, but I found it interesting. Okay. No comment on Morgan behind. If we don't remember, that was the producer joke where the shot is of Morgan pushing the cannon with a couple of men's naked ass blurred out, and it says Morgan's behind instead of of Drake ahead. That's funny. That's That's, pretty good. I didn't catch that. That's really good. Drake leading. No, no, no. Morgan behind. Beautiful. Also thought it was good leadership from Andrew to have them all drop their pants. There you go. Yeah. I feel so bad for Andrew. (laughs) Why? The man is trying so hard to lead a team that does not want to be led. (laughs) All right. Final few notes. Ryan S. yelling at Drake to move some rocks jerks at the challenge cracking me up. What a burning insult. (laughs) Move some rocks jerks. Ryan loves the word jerk. Did y'all notice that the outro shot of the episode, they actually played the Amazon theme music? No. I didn't notice. That's That's a cute little touch. And finally, to end this note... Also does not like astrology. Also a Gemini. (laughs) So maybe it's a Gemini thing. We don't like astrology. It's also a gendered thing a lot of the time. That's maybe a little reductive, but yeah. (laughs) It, in my anecdotal experience, (laughs) people identify as men are not as into astrology and roll their eyes at it, myself included a little bit, but I think it's kind of fun. I'm definitely not shaking my head up and down. (laughs) I think it's a little interesting. All right. Anyway. Bumper. All right, so this episode came out on September 25th of 2003. I did remember, and I did pull a couple of things that happened between May and September of 2003, which was between our two seasons. June 8th, Poland approves joining the European Union in referendum. So this is really, 2003 is really when the European Union starts. It's popping off. Yeah, I mean, member states are popping in all over the place. The Czech Republic approves joining. July 1st, Tesla is founded (laughs) by Martin Eberhard and Mark Tarpening in San Carlos, California. Notice names, a name I didn't say in there. Yeah, for people who think that this man was a genius and created everything himself, no. Showing his whole ass live. (laughs) 
My ass. August 1st, social networking service MySpace is launched. Wow. I know, right? Crazy. And those are the big ones that really, like, stuck out to me. A lot of Iraq war updates, but uh, the war is warning and it's not getting better, but it's happening. Are you saying that the war isn't just going to stop immediately? No, weirdly. Weirdly, it will go on for many, many seasons of Survivor. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, baby. That's a man we should reelect. All right. <laughs> in September 20th of 2003, Latvia also joined in to the European Union, and the Emmy Awards happened, which normally I don't care about, but I think that these shows are probably enough that they're good markers of where like stuff happening at the time. So The West Wing was a big winner, mm. as well as Everybody Loves Raymond, which might be my least favorite sitcom of all time. Really? I think the main actor, Ray Romano, I think yep, is Yep, Ray name? Romano. I, he has negative charisma to me. I I hate that man. At least I hate that character. But he surrounds himself with people with even less charisma. Yeah, and that doesn't him... make a good show. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, my dad does have a DVD collection of Everybody Loves Raymond. Well, and then I'm not everybody because I fucking hate Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I find it charming. And... Two days before this episode aired on September 23rd, crime drama NCIS premiered. I, okay, sorry. I, I know like liking crime dramas and glorifying cops is not our thing. I fucking love NCIS. I like NCIS. There are certain, I mean, that's like military police, naval police. I'm a little like, I'm, I'm a little cooler on that. Oh no, it's still unbelievably formulaic and problematic at multiple times. But man, yeah, there's a very specific episode in my brain that they make fun at, like, trans women, and I'm like, ah, ah, Well, when you have a show on that long, it's not gonna age well, as also, we learned. Yeah, but it's also CBS, and... Oh, yeah. Do you... Have you seen NCIS before? Yeah, I've seen episodes. You know who the, uh... The detective who's, like, the rookie in the first season who goes on... He's, like, the lead actor now. The older guy or the younger guy? The young guy. He he's, Okay, yeah. He's the probie in the first season. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I can't remember what his name is or what the character's name is. Doesn't matter. Anyway, he was the dead child who is the cat in Hocus Pocus. I haven't seen Hocus Pocus, so that sentence to me is fucking wild. Okay, never mind then. Everyone else behind the microphone got that. I haven't seen Hocus Pocus. Number one song is Shake Ya Tail Feather, still. Thackeray Binks, that's his name. No, it's not. In Hocus Pocus. Okay. The top five movies are The Fighting Temptations. Don't know what that is. Don't know what that is either. Matchstick Men, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Secondhand Lions, and then number one, Underworld. Do you know Mm. Underworld, Steven? I don't. I'm only thinking of Resident Evil Underworld. It's not that. Okay. It's sort of that, like, Blade era, although it is kind of like Resident Evil, Final Destination, or, like, movies that I would say are kind of like it. Under cover of night, vampires engage in an age-old battle with their sworn enemies, the Lycans, a clan of violent werewolves. They name themselves after what they are. Celine, Kate Beckinsall, a vampire orphaned in the wake of a bloody Lycan attack, works with the vampire clan as a trained killer. When the Lycans take a mysterious interest in Michael Corbin, Scott Speedman, an exceptional mortal doctor, Celine struggles to save him from Lucian, Michael Sheen, a ruthless Lycan leader, hellbent on ending the vampire bloodline. So... There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> what do you think the 
Rotten Tomato score is? 32. For critic or audience? There's a gap on this one, so I'm gonna... I'm gonna... Critic. Wow. You're really good at this now. Yay! Critic is 31. Holy shit. Yeah. Audience score? Uh, it's gonna be higher. It's gonna be like a... Uh, 57. 79. Whoa! It's a huge gap. This seems like it's probably a cult classic. I've never seen it, but I remember it coming out and wanting to see it, but I was too young. Okay, interesting. And then hearing it was bad and being like, oh, all right. Yeah, okay. Some more NCIS notes. Oh my God. Are we an CIS podcast now, Steven? We could be. (laughs) No, what was his, uh, sorry. I was looking up Sean Murray, who is Officer Timothy McGee. Okay, yeah. Yep, it's great. And also, I just wanted to note that Cote de Pablo, a Brazilian woman, was playing an Israeli agent for years. Oh! Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Wow. Huh. <laughs> okay, that's all I have. <laughs> Sorry, not Brazilian. Chilean. Is that all you have? That's all I have. All right, now that we're 30 minutes into the episode. I could talk about <laughs> I could talk about Polly Perrette for a long time, but no, we're not going to do Is that. Is she the goth girl? Yeah. Uh, coroner. Yeah. All right. She's great. That's pretty cool. Okay. She's pretty cool. Cool. That I'm done. <laughs> I'm really done. I swear. Out of the episode. Out of the episode. Episode two. To quit or not to quit. That is the question. That is the question. One that we are Except asking. It is still unclear whether people are allowed to quit. Uh huh. This is now. Listen. If I had a nickel for every person we held hostage in the last two seasons, I'd have three nickels. Not a lot. Weird that it's happened three times. <laughs> yeah, but here we are. Again, we're in a situation, though, where the person's like, send me home, send me home, please, dear God, send me home. And they kind don't. of, kind of, well, this is a faltering. He doesn't really follow through. Agreed, and we kind of hinted that next episode where yeah. Lillian's talking to Andrew about it. I he And he still votes with the tribe, right? Yes, so, correct. like... It's not like he's totally thrown in the towel. He hasn't shone at it, but <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, a cold, windy night. We open. This opening, I really like. The opening of this episode is yeah. just like, there's no ambient music. There's very little ambient sound. They're just kind of sitting there, and everyone looks fucking miserable. And it really does. More, We're told throughout the entire episode how much it sucks to be on Morgan. Yeah, but this minute of footage tells me so much more than the whole rest of the episode. And this is before we even twist the knife. Yeah. So it it's cold. It's it's miserable. Tiana and Austin are freezing. Andrew is concerned about sleep deprivation. Andrew must have is either having hallucinations himself <laughs> or has had someone in his life that has told him that that's what happens because he's, he's really hung up on people hallucinating. He says it at least three times in the episode. And as far as we know, that's not actually a thing that's happening. Yeah. Is it like the thing where like when we were children, we thought quicksand would be more of a problem than it is? Does Possibly. he just think that's like the main symptom of sleep deprivation? Unless he thinks the camera crew is a part of his hallucination. <laughs> Andrew doesn't. Andrew forgot he's on a show. Uh, I, I'm seeing hallucinations. I'm not really sure what's real or what's not. <laughs> I think I'm on a reality show. Andrew, you are on a reality show. See? They're talking to me right now. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. <laughs> Austin says Skinny Ryan doesn't have what it takes to be the guy. Yeah. Austin 
says Skinny Ryan doesn't have what it takes to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, you, he's he's right. He's hypocritical, but he's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, fine. Skinny Ryan sucks. Tell me more. He, his exit confessional is like, oh, uh, I'm such a big fan of the show, and I, like, I came in to play and got tripped. It's like, you didn't do anything. Like, you made one friend with yeah. the person, with the outcast of the tribe, who actually doesn't seem like maybe she's as much of an outcast as she was last episode. And then, like, staked your whole future on doing better at a challenge and putting yourself in a spotlight only to choke so fucking hard I expected people to have to give you the Heimlich when you got back to the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, make yourself useful in some other way. Tell your tribe, hey, I suck at challenges. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Don't go, all right, they all think I wasn't doing my 100%, so I'm going to go out there and do it again, even though I have nothing more to give. I'm going to go out there and show them that I can do it. The thing I clearly can't do... Goes out and doesn't do it. Like, in a game all about like social maneuvering and team cohesion, you can't be that delusional and then think you can be a good player. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. On Drake, Rupert's loving life. Rupert is thriving. He is in paradise. He loves being in a giant fish tank that is the ocean. He is at home when he is in this ocean. This is now the third contestant where I'm like, if they just stayed behind when the crew left and lived there, I would not be surprised. Yeah, he could just do that. Yeah. And he's he's having a blast. He is fishing with his spear. He has become very attached to that spear. Yes, like, and it's, well, from his perspective... It is his main lifeline. It is the thing keeping him... Basically, it's his own immunity idol. Sure. You see how much fish he fucking caught? Also, he's a big guy that needs a lot of meat, according to him. So, this thing is keeping him from being voted off. Mm -hmm. Like, not saying he would be the bottom anyway, but it is a personal immunity idol for him. Yep. It is the source of their tribe's food and most of their advantage, or at least some of their advantage, in, like, tribe camp life. And... I can imagine Rupert to be the kind of guy who gets hangry. So it's also <laughs> keeping his social game up. <laughs> okay, well, fair. You got me there. So anyway, Burton wants to use it. And he's very... Rupert very clearly goes up to him and says, All right, make sure the head is on tight. Because it was kind of loose before, and I don't want it to fall off. Because if it falls off, we may never be able to find it. Foreshadowing. 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 <laughs> uh, I want to point out one thing during the scene, too, because Rupert does this while they're all eating. Uh-huh. Sandra got so much shit that they have plates. I, I did also write down that... They're eating off fucking plates. It's very off-putting to see paper plates in Survivor. They have a better camp setup than I did at Electric Forest. <laughs> and I packed my car and drove there. Like, this is insane. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it feels weird in Survivor. That's how well they did. Yeah. That's, it almost makes you wonder if this plunder the other person's camp thing is something they made up after, it, it, it fits with the theme of the season, so I could see, maybe that's too hard a stretch, but if they made that up afterwards and we're like, fuck, we gotta, we gotta find a way to equalize this. Part of me says no, 
just with what we've seen in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Where, what are the odds that the team that is winning will destroy the team that has nothing? Sure. Yeah, we'll talk more about that later. Okay, but anyway. I just, I just can't believe how much of a camp disparity this is. Like, if there was not a tribe swap plan for this season, boy, they better fucking put one in. <laughs> they had better put one in. We get our tree mail. Ryan looks at the tree mail. He's like, I'm under the most pressure of any Survivor contestant ever fucking citation needed <laughs> yes fucking what you think this on day four is the most pressure that anyone's been under to win an immunity challenge ever not jenna last season in the final three i mean what's the measure of pressure like, you know you're gonna go home you know you're gonna go home Sure, except... How do you measure this? How do you measure this? It's day four, <laughs> and you have so many things that need to stay in place just for you to make the merge, versus if I fall off this this ledge right now, I'm losing a million dollars, probably. Or losing my 50-50 shot at a million dollars. If I had a million dollars... Like, Ryan's trying to survive to the next day, and we are on day four. <laughs> my brother in Christ, you are... Like, it is pressure. It is nothing like being... I feel like it's probably nothing like being the person on the outs in a final three or final four, mm -hmm. knowing how badly you have to win. Mm -hmm. And I want to hold on to that until later in the episode. So come back to that thought that Ryan is drowning in this game. And in the ocean. And in the ocean. Well, okay. <laughs> anyway, the reward challenge. You have to get five items from an underwater or from underwater and put them in a treasure chest and then haul the treasure chest up to shore. The theming in this season is great. Yes. And I think it helps them and I hope that they remember this. It helps them having a theme that is less based on the people that already live there. Like, basing it on a time period or a... Like, even Amazon. Like, uh -huh. having the men versus women theme gave them something to latch onto that wasn't, a, that wasn't like, gross appropriation and is more <laughs> relatable. I do want to say that this is probably the easiest theming you could possibly go with. Yeah. Like, you can build games around this. You can build strategies and overall formats around this. Whereas something like... I'm going to use it because it's it's a title. Heroes versus villains is not as easy to build everything around. Sure, that's true. So, eh. but they do a really good job with it in this episode. They do every the reward itself, the challenge, the plundering mechanic, the immunity challenge. All of it is themed around pirates. Since we're here, let's talk about. Have you noticed the transitions throughout the episodes? That the we've map? Seen? The map, yep. It, that's a great little touch. It's really cute. Yeah. I like it. They probably could speed it up. <laughs> it didn't bother me. It, it doesn't bother me. Like, from a... Me, from an artistic standpoint, I'm like... You pro you're dragging this a little bit. Like, mm. we can speed it up. But from an audience perspective, I'm like... Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I think it's like... It all, there's so many little touches of love in this season. I can tell... They had a fun time planning this season. Yes. Anyway, back to the challenge. The Both teams get out at one. Sandra sits this challenge. Mm -hmm. Just want to point that out. Oh, and the reward. What they get if they win this. One, they get to loot an item from the other camp. Two, they get a treasure map. 
and a shovel and a key. I think you got the shovel and the key no matter what. Yes, both sides got the shovel and the key. Yes. So somewhere on their beach, on the island that they're on, there is a treasure buried. What? What? (laughs) Which again, they must have had so much fun planning this season. Oh, I bet they did. I'm having fun watching it. Correct. And that kind of stuff (laughs) translates in. Now, it is interesting that basically the reward challenges have become a best three out of five. Because you need all three parts of the map. Maybe. Yes. Yep. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I maybe. mean, you, maybe they can find it with one. Maybe they can find it with two. But it's... it's Maybe they can find it with zero. Oh, sure, yeah. If you but, dig up the whole fucking beach. I mean... Yeah. Okay, fair. <laughs> you probably need at least one to point your place <laughs> in the right direction. But that's so cool. Yeah. And this is a recurring thing that, one, they're going to steal something for every reward challenge. So we can continue to go back and forth. Or one team could theoretically just take everything from this other tribe. Yeah. One team already did by the end of this episode. Yeah. Anyway, we start. Ryan S. goes out. He's like, this is my time. Here we go. Here we go. Gets out there. Struggles with the mask thing. And can't do it. Like, can't get down to pick up one of these items. You and I both play D&D. Yeah. We played D&D this week. We did. This man failed so many checks in a row. (laughs) Now, mind you, he's working with negative modifiers. Negative strength. Negative dexterity. Probably negative constitution at this point. He's, you know, at least he has a point of exhaustion. Negative charisma. We've already established that. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he has a high intelligence modifier. There you go. Wow, that was really nerdy for a hot second. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he can't swim out there very well. He can't dive to save his life. He can't even find the treasure chest to put the treasure back in. Uh-huh. This is the hill you chose to die on? <laughs> this is it. This is the one. Because not everyone has to go out there. Correct. Only four of you. And there's seven. Yeah. You could have sat this one out. And you could have staked it on immunity. And you could have said, hey, I'm this is not the thing. I'm not a great swimmer. This is not it for me. See, here's the thing. Is I think it was mutually beneficial for everyone. For him, he wanted to go out and prove himself. Sure. For his tribe, they were in a win-win. Correct. His tri- for his tribe, this is great. Well, I mean, the only part that it's not great is he threw the challenge. Correct. One, he either goes out there and does well and helps your team. Mm -hmm. Or two, he goes out there, fails miserably, and you have the most clear and obvious boot in the entire world. Yeah, yep. And that's exactly what happens. Is he goes out there, he struggles, he struggles so long that the other team goes up 0-2 and... Like, two items to his zero. To the point that Jeff has to say, you can come back into the beach yeah. and give the item to somebody else to put in the chest. Because he, he gets one of the items eventually. Mm-hmm. He just can't get it in the chest because he can't figure out the locking system to the chest because he can't figure out the mask. Yeah. Uh, but then, we are like, okay, let's go give it to someone else, have them fix it, and Ryan O goes out and struggles with the lock. Like... We just can't, we can't win. <laughs> it's, it's funny because in, I feel like last season the tribes were pretty even and they were shown in a pretty even light, minus the women's camp mm-hmm. early in the season. <laughs> but like the women were doing well at the challenges and they, and they had interesting things going on. 
This is the first time I can remember that a tribe is in front. Drake. Yep. And we know more about them and they're more interesting and they're more likable. Like every time the camera's in Morgan's camp, I just don't care anymore. (laughs) I have stopped paying attention. There's nothing interesting going on with them. And I'm sure there will be. And I don't think it's the show's fault. I'm just like, God, these, these people just aren't doing anything. It's been, <laughs> at the end of this episode, six days. And Jeff actually, we'll get to it, but kind of, like, blast them about it at Tribal Council. Yeah. Anyway, Drake wins either five items to two items or five items to three items. Doesn't matter. Morgan got their ass handed to them. Yeah. The only question I had was, like, what happens if you get that chest to shore and you don't have all five of the items? Do you got to go put the chest back? Or can you just go get the last item? That would make sense to me. You got to go put it back. Suck. It would suck. It would be awful. Would love to see it happen. It would be pretty funny. <laughs> so then we get back to the Drake camp and everyone wants to go find the treasure. But the the clue that they got basically says, wait for low tide. Yeah. And it is high tide. And they're like, no, we're not doing that. Anyway... Then we have the conversation about, well, what are we stealing? Are we stealing water jugs? Are we stealing tarp? And Johnny Fairplay is like, we want to make it hurt. If they have if they have two jugs and they have one tarp, steal the tarp, baby. We don't need the tarp. Steal this, the tarp. This is probably the last time I will agree with Johnny Fairplay. <laughs> and Rupert comes out of nowhere. He's like, no, 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 no. We don't have to hurt them. We don't have to hurt them. Rupert, high level of emotional intelligence. <laughs> but then Sandra who ultimately gets to make the final decision because she's the one nominated to go do it. I shouldn't say nominated. She's the only one who's basically willing to go over there and be like, I'm stealing your stuff. Sure. I uh, love Sandra. I love Sandra so much. Sandra's pretty great. So yeah, Sandra gets to go and do the thing. Okay, what do you think about this system? The looting system and the way that they have it set up? Because I have many thoughts. I like how it's set up. Had both tribes left the island with, like, a good amount of things. Or not a good amount of things. Or not a good amount of things. If they were equal. Yeah. I, the, I, I'm i okay with that. But I mean, like, having to pick one person to do it, I don't know how I feel about it. Because on one hand, it creates an opportunity and a disadvantage. And maybe that means it's a good system. Mm. Because it does give you both. It gives you an opportunity to make those connections with the other tribe. But it's a disadvantage because they're not good connections. Correct. You're coming over to take something. Yes. And then you have to navigate a very tricky situation because you can be the diplomat and be like, oh yeah, we'll take this. But then you might be, then they might, they might be perceived that you're pitying them or you give yourself a strategic advantage and take the best thing you possibly can. Also the fact that you alone have to go and physically take it is weird. It is weird. First of all, what's stopping them from just hiding stuff? Because Sandra looks around. They, she doesn't have a list. Mm-hmm. She said she couldn't find the water jugs. I don't know if they have water jugs. Could they just, like, put them in the jungle somewhere, then go get them when she leaves? Maybe. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be a rule against it. I know. And then this awkward scene of her, like, cutting it. I wanted to crawl out of my skin. <laughs> I kind of like it. And Before it's, she gets there, they're like, yeah, what if they take the tarp? And Austin's like, I'm going home. Can't do it. So what does Sandra take? The tarp. The tarp, of course. And, like, she should. 
like I yeah I, you kind of you you drive that knife in yeah well what is really funny to me though is Morgan's like no we're not helping you fuck you this is it's just so messy it is messy but it's all self-inflicted messy like the people could have been like no don't harm our shelter like we will help you take it you you have to take it you said you wanted to take it we're gonna do it but no they're just like no take our tarp fine work for it and so she's just like throwing palm fronds on the ground she's like i don't care it seems like it takes a long time it does and she goes like use a knife and they're like no (laughs) yeah that's our knife like it it gets almost like kindergarten levels and that's why i feel like the show should have stepped in and yeah, I mean, they should have stepped in in that moment, but they should have set it up better so that you don't have this awkward, like, oh, can am I allowed to use your knife? Can you withhold that from me? How do I get this down? It's weird. But I do, it does inject a level of drama that I might be here for. Okay. <laughs> Just, I'm, I, the animosity is a lot. And it is. the ending line of, all right, see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, I do love that Andrew predicted that Johnny fair play would be like take the tarp because he goes what if that a uh, little yappy boy <laughs> yeah something like that comes over and takes the tarp <laughs> <laughs> so you know how we talked about hallucinations as andrew's thing yeah austin's thing is pneumonia yeah someone in his life must have like he either had a traumatic experience with pneumonia, which I think he says something like he's had it before. Oh. Or someone in his life had a very traumatic experience with pneumonia because he goes on about pneumonia and is like, I, I might get pneumonia. I, I don't have any clothes. Well, that's your fault. You sold Correct. your clothes. Just, Do just... you believe anything he's saying? That he's actually worried about getting pneumonia or worried about his body, anything like that? I believe that he has given up and he wants to be out of here yes i don't know that the the specific things that he's giving us are the reasons why he wants to go but i do believe that he is miserable and he does not want to play this game anymore this is my opinion of austin okay and it could change with more information he came here he's like i'm i'm charismatic i'm strong Mm -hmm. and i'm smart i'm gonna come there i'm gonna party and I'm going to steamroll these people. And I don't know Austin's life, but he seems like somebody who's probably won a lot. And he's in a lucrative career field. Mm-hmm. Seems like he doesn't take losing very well. And I just feel like he's rage quitting. Like, he's the type of person in, like, a multiplayer online game that's just like, oh, no, I'm just going to alt F4 rather than see it out and lose. And it does make sense because the times that he peaks most at this are the times immediately following challenges yeah it, it's really piss baby behavior yeah but masked in the oh i'm just i just need to take care of my my body's telling me i need to go but then we see and editing can hide a lot we see him fucking playing football and shit and running around it's like dude you feel i mean sure it's hard uh-huh but like you're not sick it's pretty damning when even the people are like Look at him. He's playing a game. He's throwing around a coconut like a football. We've seen people that their health is deteriorating. Yeah. Jenna's health was deteriorating towards the end of Amazon. Yours is not yet, Austin. No. It's hard for you to be deteriorating in four days. 
Right, yeah, unless you get, unless you're allergic to the malaria medication. That could be a problem. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, you got me on that one. <laughs> anyway, we flip to the other side, and we've lost the spearhead. Jesus Christ. Any, this season should be the nail in the coffin for any white people named Sean that they <laughs> ever want to put on this show. There's, none of them are good. Just, if you're, if you're a white guy named Sean... You don't get to come on Survivor anymore. Yeah, Sean lost the spearhead. He loses it in the current. He doesn't know where it is. The current that Rupert calls a bathtub. (laughs) And what's really funny to me is this whole conversation is Rupert is just like infuriated and just like kind of walks over to the the giant driftwood tree and just like snapping snapping it. Snapping it. (laughs) It's so good because he's using this like very gentle language. You can see the rage in his eyes, Yep. but he's trying so hard to be compassionate while he's taking his anger out on snapping wood. I, I'm so fascinated by Rupert. He really is a great case study here. Because he is, he is a man that I can just tell from two episodes has a temper about him Mm -hmm. and also has done a lot of fucking work to not be that guy. Yeah. And that, I feel like we're going to see that internal struggle, which this is a great, like, vision into it of, I'm so mad, but I need to stay calm. And I don't think it's just for the show. I think this is how he is in his life, too, mm-hmm. from his, from the way he talks in confessionals and his career and all of that. He's just fucking snapping <laughs> trees in half, trying to, to be kind. My favorite thing about censored reality TV, especially censoring where it goes silent instead of like a beep is when you absolutely know what the word is being said (laughs) yeah and in this scenario where he's like that's gonna fuck us yeah (laughs) like everyone in who is watching this could very clearly see that he said that's gonna fuck us and it it would be really bad yeah so what does rupert do instead of whining and being upset about it he goes and he looks for it he searches the entire bay in a, a grid, grid pattern. pattern. Yep. Yep. And then finds it and screams at the top of his lungs. That was what we saw in the yeah. previous episode. So it is a little bit of a... It's a scream gotcha. of joy. It yeah. is a scream of joy. I love that. Sean is such a fucking moron. Not just for losing it, but like his reactions afterwards. I think it's Krista that calls him a puss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, all right. I guess. Sure. Like, he is so sniveling and like... Yeah, I didn't mean to do it. And, like, uh, like he, he does apologize, so good yep. for him. Yep. He doesn't get, like, super defensive. But just shut up and take your lumps, man. You were warned. You fucked up. And he's like, no, I'll go out and look for it myself. And I do understand that to a certain extent because I that might be the reaction I have if I fucked up like uh-huh. that. Like, no, I will take the responsibility. But I, do, I just like that everyone else in the tribe also knows that Sean's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, it's great. It's great. I do have to highlight what is probably my favorite part in the entire episode. Where was it? In the ocean! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rupert. Oh, and fucking Sean's confessional. That was the other thing. He, he's like, it's a cute thing that he's gotten attached to or something like that. Like, it's his fucking, like, it's Rupert, like, the spear is his, like, blanky no dude it's your primary source of food yeah and you treat it like a toy yeah you fucking moron <laughs> because you couldn't just let rupert be the provider you wanted to ha- you had to go out and do it yourself too like rupert's not doing it begrudgingly rupert's having the time of his life out in the ocean let the man fish yep okay anyway immunity challenge 
Sandra, if you it felt good to be a pirate. A pirate. It's <laughs> great, thank you. Anyway, uh, we're playing a weird prisoner game where three people are tied up on a raft. The rest of the team is like pulling them out to shore. And this is only important because the faster you get out of the ropes, the faster you can swim back to shore and start the actual puzzle. Yeah. Which, the it was very interesting. I think this is a fun challenge that I would have liked to see be a reward challenge and not an immunity challenge. I agree, although I wish... I, I know, I needed something. Yeah. Like, when he was explaining, I was like, oh, cool, like, there's all these steps. And then mm-hmm. all the steps are really quick. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, that was kind of unsatisfying. Yeah. I think it, it's really cool to me to, like, see the the grid pattern and, like, all right, here are your coordinates, connect the coordinates, boom. Yeah. But it happens in a a series of about 10 seconds yeah which is unfortunate i don't honestly have a whole lot to talk about because it, it does it moves fast it's close it is it's, it's yeah yeah it's for the most part up until the end it's super close and drake wins again morgan has the sizable lead after the untie section but can't open the coordinates i was gonna say i want to point out one thing that rupert did that was super smart mm-hmm. he untied the coordinates on the raft like, they were having such problems with it, and, I, like, he, I don't know why that gave him an advantage, but it looks like it did. And I think might have, some of that might have been a bunch of people trying to open it versus being like, okay, I'm going to do one one cook in the kitchen. I'm going to open this real could quick. Could have been that. It could have been also that it was dry. That's, yeah, that's true, too. I don't know. I would be worried that I would lose part of what you're doing because you have to swim it back to shore once it's open. Yeah, I mean, it's just two halves of a bamboo. I would lose at least three <laughs> halves. Okay, Ryan S. <laughs> anyway, Drake wins. I, w- I want to highlight someone who isn't actually highlighted. Tiana is hauling ass on the digging. And it was... True. It was very, like, I... Tiana's effort in these challenges is understated. Yeah, I, okay. I said that nobody on Morgan interests me, and that's not true. Tiana is interesting to me. Okay. But we didn't get much of her. Fair. And Lillian's quirky, but she is very stoic. Okay. Anyway, we get back. This is a done deal vote, right? Right? Yeah, Austin told everyone he wants to go home. Oh, no. I was thinking the other way. Like, oh, it's, it's yeah. Ryan, yeah? Well, yeah. And then Austin's like, no, send me home. He's telling Skinny Ryan, please send me home. <laughs> vote for me. And even Skinny Ryan's like, this is a trap, right? Like, right? You can't possibly mean that. Oh, there are two notes I didn't see before we got past it. The challenge that I want to say from the challenge. Okay, I did love Jeff saying "dig deep" while they were digging. Ah. And I was like, literally, literally, Jeff. And also, when Jeff goes over to them to talk to them about going to tribal, he like kneels down and like gets on their level and is very soft spoken. It's like he feels bad for them. Yeah, it's it's not like the disappointed Jeff of like seasons five or six when somebody loses a couple challenge in a row. Like he's like, okay, guys. Yeah. Next time I see you, will be at Tribal, so... So? Alright. Figure your shit out, I guess. <laughs> I love Solemn Jeff. Solemn it's, Jeff it's is interesting. funny. Yeah. Okay, so they're back. They're, they're figuring this out. Austin is like, full on, I'm out. Until Andrew comes along and is like, hey. We're fucked if you leave. We are fucked if you leave. Like, you're out, we're all out. That's it. Yeah. Do you agree with him? The game is less tribal than a few seasons ago, so no. I don't think they're all fucked. I don't think they would win a challenge until the tribe swap. Okay. That I that has to come. All right. And then we get to tribal. 
just a few things I want to highlight. One, sure. Skinny Ryan's like, hey, we need focus. We're not focused. We don't do things very well. Which I agree, actually. Mm-hmm. Andrew might not be as good of a leader as I thought he was. Mm. Because and this happened in the women's camp in Amazon. How are you all? It's, it's day six. It's day six. What do you do all day? Because we've heard from contestants over and over again how boring the downtime is on Survivor. Like how much is trying to keep your mind sharp. How are you guys not having a focused effort? Especially when you've nominated a leader. Yeah. Do you just not know what you need to be doing? Is there just a general malaise? General malaise around <laughs> camp? I don't understand. Honestly, I don't know. But Andrew's like, yeah, I agree. And this changes tomorrow. It's like, oh, okay. We're getting drill instru- instructor Andrew here. Hopefully we get fucking leading, Andrew. I do, I do like Andrew. I do think he's been trying. I just... Come on, man. <laughs> Lillian asked about if you were to grade the tribe, what would you grade this tribe? And she's like, I'd give him an A plus for spirit. Hilarious. I also didn't catch, I, it was said earlier in the season, but I thought it was a slip, but now it's been said a couple of times, so it's clearly not. Lillian leads Boy Scouts? Yes. I didn't realize that in, in 2003, but even now, that the, I thought the Scouts were so gendered that you could only have... I thought men were only leading Boy Scouts and women leading Girl Scouts. No. I, I thought that was kind of like how their institution works. I did know that you can have women leaders. I don't think you can have women... Participants. Okay. Yeah. I guess that makes sense if you're if you're like... I guess it would be girls. Sure. Yeah. Parents and all of that. Interesting. I don't know the politics of the Scouts. I don't know either. I just, I just know that they're entrenched in the Catholic Church. So Yeah. That's also kind of why I assume. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, Austin's like, no, I'm not going on any adventures after this. Hilarious. I'm going to assume Austin, when he gets voted off, doesn't come back. I don't think they could pay Austin enough money to come back on this show. I'm not going to say anything. I know. Anyway, and oh, and finally, one more from Lillian. Her slip up saying, my vote is based on who has contributed to the troop. I'm sorry, I mean the tribe. The tribe, yeah. She is unclear of where she is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Jeff did just ask her a question right before that based on the context of being a troop leader. So yeah. Yeah. I don't blame her, but it was it was a pretty funny slip. All right, anything else? No, no. Ryan S., you just kind of suck. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to vote off the weakest, or normally I vote off the weakest member. And I was like, Ryan, who do you think is the weakest member? Because you can't vote for yourself. That is so correct. So who, who do you think that is? <laughs> yeah. So we on a five to five to two vote. Skinny Ryan is gone. Bye bye, Skinny Ryan. Yep. And this is the last we see of Skinny Ryan. What? Really? I know, right? Shocking. And honestly, there's not much out there. There's a poor f- guy probably got bullied so hard for these episodes. Like I cannot imagine the response back home, the response from the fan community at the time. Because like the show did not paint him in a positive light, and he did not paint himself in a positive light. So, I found an interesting thread of things that I don't want to say quite yet, because they are a little spoilery, but there is one little comment here about when I I googled him, try googling Ryan Shoulders Arrest, it's not the same person. <laughs> okay. It's, it's not, like, this person, this contestant on this show is not the person who was arrested as Ryan Shoulders. Okay. There can be, a, there can be multiple people with that name. But I just, I think that's really funny. Do you Google all of our contestants and then arrest? I don't. Some people do. All right. Some people have no better 
thing to do with themselves. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how many of them have been... I guess a, a decent number of them have been arrested. I guess that's not a bad bet. Yeah. I just find it so funny that the skinniest person and one of the least strong contestants... Name Shoulders. <laughs> last name Shoulders. Yeah. I. Uh, how he do in Modern Survivor? I mean... Pretty fucking bad. Like, I, I think he's probably a first boot in any season. Mm. Except for your fringe case. Like, I mean, he was he should have gone home last episode, but Nicole couldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> so he stayed. Like, I he doesn't it doesn't seem like he contributed that much around camp. I mean, maybe the most positive case for him would be being on a tribe like Drake, where you don't need like let's say we replace like we switch him and Burton, right? You're probably not the first one going home. Maybe you are. But you don't have to be the challenge person. It does seem like... Because you talked about morale early. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a chance. If he's on a tribe that valued those things more, maybe he gets a foothold. But I just... He's he's fighting an uphill battle. Alright. I 100% disagree. I think he could easily be plugged into a modern Survivor game and do far better. I mean, sure. It's hard to do worse when you're the second boot. That's fair. Okay. But, but I, I, you know, I guess I do kind of agree with that to a certain extent, but he also just kind of sucks. That's fair. So, I don't know, man. He, he reminds me, there's, in, in 42, since that was brought up this episode, there's a tribe that has a skinny guys alliance for, like, an, an episode. Um. And it's like, if you have enough skinny guys to have a skinny guy alliance... You're probably not going to do great at the challenges. <laughs> My people, the Skinny Guy Alliance. No, but you're mu- the, the, these guys are twigs. You have muscle. No, oh, okay, fine. I did go to the gym today. You went to the gym today. <laughs> All right, uh, and your protagonist of the episode. It's Rupert. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we... I mean, I, you could also make a case for Austin, but it's really kind of like just a couple points for Austin where it'll be like, Ah, and now Austin says he will leave if Tarp goes, and Tarp goes, and Austin says he's going to leave, and Austin doesn't leave. This The more compelling story to me is the life that they've set up over at Drake and Rupert and the Spear. It is weirdly interesting how prophetic this episode was of, hey, this is brutal. I might want to quit. I want to quit. Hey, don't lose the spearhead. Lose spearhead. <laughs> you lost the fucking spearhead. Hey, what if they steal the tarp? They steal the tarp. <laughs> I do wonder if the looting is going to cause us to go backwards as far as alliances being tribe-specific first. Hmm. Because that resentment... Like, how do you... you so, Sandra, you just started off on such a bad foot with everyone in Morgan. Sure. I don't know how you bridge that gap. All right. But I mean, at some point they're going to take, they're going to maybe win a challenge and maybe take some of your stuff. So maybe that's how, maybe it's just an eye for an eye, but. Sure. All right. That's all I got. The same tarp just goes back and forth. Just here, take the tarp, take the tarp, take the tarp, take the tarp. (laughs) You know what else you can take? A bumper. (laughs) That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Thank you, Jared. We went a little long, but that's all right. We gave you more stuff to enjoy. Oh no, more content. Oh no. <laughs> Anything you want to promote? Street Fighter 6. Ah. I am not a fighting game person, but I'm having so much fun with Street Fighter 6. Sure. I have hit the elo where people know, like, combos. Like, they know, like, what to chain into what. 
that are all safe and leaves me no opening for yeah. a decent chunk of my health bar and i'm still like chaining together individual stuff to try to like put stuff together but i don't know like i haven't memorized the combo so there's a there's a wall there and fighting games are hard to get into but the new control scheme that they made is very user-friendly there is classic controls as well but very user-friendly very good for new people the tutorial guides and the character guides and all of that are super helpful and the game is stylish as hell it yeah. looks so good it feels so good to play so yeah, if you don't like fighting games it's worth picking up yeah we were having a lot of fun playing it and i i agree it's a fun game the Pe men people the do look down on you for those modern controls though i don't fucking care cool neither do i so i'm just glad at some point i might want to play classic just so i have more tools in my arsenal sure but modern's fun yeah and yeah what about you steven this is gonna seem like a really dumb one but here we are no bad ideas in a brainstorm nope Steven. well you, you say that I bought... I've been having trouble with my flags. I have flags on my porch. I saw that. Twins flag, right? Yeah, I did buy a twins flag. Are you going to change it out for whatever sports in season? Yes. Nice. But I also... Because I've been having such trouble because I live near the lake, so like wind comes at from one side very heavily, so it just mm. like wraps up the flags a lot, and I've had a lot of trouble with this. So I bought a spinning flagpole. <laughs> okay. So like the... The bottom half of the pole is stationary. Sure. The top half spins, so when your flag spins, the pole itself spins. That's got to look so funny in a high wind. Uh, maybe. I haven't seen it. Like, for the most part, it just seems normal until it, like, gets itself around, and then the whole thing just, like, shifts. Well, that's what I mean. It's, like, imagining the flag rotating like yeah. a helicopter. Oh, fair. I, well, I don't know that I... Oh, I guess I, we'll wait for super high winds for that one. I don't know. It already seems to be... I have one that's stationary and one that's the spinning flag. And the spinning flag is doing far better. So, it seems to be doing its job. There you go. No bad ideas in a brainstorm. No bad flags on the spinning flagpole. Just no bad spinning flag. For my co-host, Jared, this is Steven. For my host, Steven, this is Jared. We've lost our minds. And the threat. Bye-bye. And the tarp. <laughs> We've lost the Bye. tarp. Bye-bye. <laughs> And the head of the spear! <laughs> and the head of the spear! <laughs> we lost everything.